0: is planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Welcome to our third discussion on spiritual formation. We hope you'll be edified by the conversation and also the spin-off topics along the way.
1: Welcome back to the plane Podcast. This is Pastor Matt Grim. I'm here with Thad Keenel once again. How are you doing,
0: Thad? I'm doing good. You know, it's good to see you um, so regularly.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we missed each other for for a month there. I was on vacation, right. and we were two ships uh, crossing in the night. But yeah. uh, it's it's good to be back in the fellowship with you. And uh, this is always a, a good recharge uh, for me. Yeah, you know, to...
1: yeah. I often say, you know, this is. Um, one of those things that just does recharge my batteries. I love doing the podcast and I, I know you've been tracking a little bit, our downloads and you see that we are, you have, you have a bit of a following. It's been a
0: good, good thing. Yeah. It is good because we're on a couple of different sites, but the total number of downloads grows and it continues to expand. And uh, I haven't checked our global presence. I think we have a couple of <laughs> people from around the world, but you know, that's just how some of the stuff yeah. gets lost in the wind or, right. or gets recommended to people or they stumble upon it. But yeah. Um, I just trust God with all of that. We're not here, um, uh, you know, because of us anyways. We're just here to encourage right. others to to follow Christ yeah. in their walk. And, you know, and we're here to point to the word of God.
1: Yeah. yeah, And we're not, you know, we're not, you know, selling advertising or, or anything like that, trying to turn <laughs> right. this into a, a, you know, a, a side hustle. Or what you're saying is like. don't
0: give up the day job. <laughs>
1: don't give up the day job, right. <laughs> but. But all to say is that if you are one of our regular listeners and you're enjoying it, we do encourage you to, to share it with others, you know, um, you know, share how, to, how you listen, you know, to a friend, pass it on. And we'd love if, it's, if you found it beneficial, we'd love it for it to be beneficial to others. We we are trying to let, you know, people here in our congregation here in Brighton, Michigan, um, a little bit know more about it and, and and try to let people know it as part of our You know, Christian education and our and our spiritual formation. This is our season on spiritual formation, and but really, in a lot of ways, I you know, I think the whole our hope is the whole podcast is is helping you with your spiritual formation as
0: well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you think about all the other podcasts that are out there, there's the Joe Rogan Experience, and there's there's so many other people that are um, giving their opinions and philosophies on life, and some of it is is good, and some of it's not. But what we do here is different than all of those because we don't share our opinions unless it's rooted right. in Christ. We, you know, or, and, and sometimes we do because we're struggling or just trying to round off. But we're trying to be consistent, and we're always pointing to God's yeah. Word as the foundation yeah. of all things.
1: And just one little practical thing to help you, if you haven't done this already, is is to hit the follow in whatever app you use. Hit the little follow button, and then whenever a new podcast comes out, your device will let you know. <laughs> right? And then you don't have to go searching for it. You can just, oh, I mean, if, if, it you, pops if up, you followed us, it'll pop up. It'll give you, like, and I use Spotify, a little green dot pops up that says, oh, there's a new podcast available for. You know the Bible Project, which I one of those podcasts I listen to a lot. You know, right, no. and so yeah, so you know, just just some little helpful hints there for you that, that you can do, and and also again to um, to get the word out if you're enjoying us and you think it will bless others, let people know.
0: Right. So last time you were speaking, um, you ended in Corinthians about this verse from chapter or it's first Corinthians chapter six and 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about our body being the temple of the Holy spirit um, that we are not our own. And it says that we are bought for bought with a price. That's Christ's blood. And then it says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods, which shows that we're, we're not our own possession anymore. Right. Right. We, the, the serving of the flesh was really, we even, even when we were serving the flesh and think we're, um, living our own best life, so to speak, it says that we're... Sl- in the scripture, says that we're slaves to sin. Yeah. Right? But now, we've been bought by God. He's bought us off that, that slave market from Satan, mm-hmm. and he's now um, deserving and worthy of our, our following, our worship, and he's given us his spirit to live by.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so, it, it's, it really got me thinking, and not that I've... A new thought, I've had this thought for years as a Christian, is, is this whole notion of the relationship between the old testament and the new testament and what god expected uh of of israel and and when he went into covenant relationship with them you know what what was spiritual formation like for them and because we do have this you know kind of comparison and contrast that often happens in the new testament between the old and the new and and yet, and, and there are some um hermeneutical perspectives and theological perspectives that Kind of disregard a lot of the Old Testament, or you see, well, you know, it's it's instructive in some senses, but really, we don't have to pay as much attention to it. And you know, from a covenant theologian perspective, uh, we very much are always looking for more similarity than dissimilarity. Recognizing there's sometimes the theologian will talk about congruity and this and or continuity and discontinuity, but but there is but there's so much that is the same. You know, that, but, but is sometimes it's more maybe in a skeletal form, you know, early on. And then, you know, muscle and flesh and hair and stuff is added later. We get the full picture. But even in Hebrews, it talks about the shadow, you know, that these are shadows. And shadows, shadows have a true thing that they're, that they are pointing to, you know. And so, it made me think of Hebrews again. We, I think we read from chapter ten last time, but here it makes me think of, of chapter eight because in chapter eight he does bring up the old covenant and and brings up the new covenant in Jeremiah thirty one. That is that is talk, talking about the fact that there does need to be a new covenant. Uh, so in in Hebrews eight and he's ta- in this he's talking about. Jesus now being introduced as the mediator of the new covenant. He is the one who is who is entered into the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, um, the one set up by the Lord, not by man, uh, because the man's is a copy of the one that's in heaven. Um, and so, but he's the high priest who is able to be there. And now not only is he serving as a priest, but he's also serving as a mediator of a new covenant.
0: Well, maybe you take one second and just define mediator in case there's somebody out there. Um, I mean, it, 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 it... Maintains the same definition as it does today in legal terms, right? Sometimes we go to a mediator. Yeah, there go between. Par- yeah.
1: it go between between two parties. One, and a mediator is often working to achieve reconciliation, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? You know. So, and, how,
0: so how was the high priest a mediator um, for the Old Testament believers? Well,
1: what he's what he's doing is he's in F, in essence mediating the grace that God is giving. That he is he's the one who. In the Old Testament, he's the one performing the rites and the rituals that are that are allowing God's presence to stay with the people. And so, in that sense, it's 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 not even so much dealing with the morality of the people, other than it is to one degree, but another degree, it's also allowing them to just be ritually or religiously pure. I, I used in class the other day. I used the word cultic, and, and it got people all yeah. upset because when we think of cultic or cults, we use that term kind of in evangelical Christianity to talk about um, religious beliefs that are against God. Right. But by but the, just the purest form of cultic is just talking about the religious ceremony and culture that that, that surrounds a particular kind of religious observance. Right. And so there is a religious cult in every system. You know, it could be the cult of Diana, it could be the cult of, of Moloch, it could, be, it could be the cult of Yahweh. And we would say the cult of Yahweh was the true one. That's the true, what true worship was to be like. Right. But it's still a cultic experience. And what the priest is serving it within that cultic experience is he's do, performing the rituals that that basically appease God to enable him to, to dwell with his people. Sure. Right, and okay. so and so we talked about that last time. As it was, as Christ has achieved all that, and so now God dwells within us because He has perf- He has performed everything perfectly and willingly, you know, for us. But in the Old Testament, there were priests. There wasn't just a priest; there was the high priest, but there was also a whole tribe of priests who were doing all kinds of things all the time in the in the tabernacle. That was basically pointing people to the fact that. That they live in a fallen world and they themselves are followed, fallen people. And so there needs to be um, sacrifices and rituals and washings and and all these things that are pointing ultimately to what Christ does for us. But it's just a reminder to the people that it's only by God's grace that he is there with them.
0: Right. Right. So it's confusing for some maybe that um, we'll say that God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Right. right? And so when we look back, but then we say... Yeah, but he's the Old Testament. God sure seems to be doing things a lot different than he does for the New <laughs> Testament people, right? But, yeah. Um, can we say that, um, according to what the Bible says, like in the Psalm, that the, the law of the Lord is perfect, so there's yeah. nothing wrong with the law. Um, the ceremonies that they performed were good because they were given of God to do, but what we're saying now is that the reason that that has come to a close is because of what Christ has accomplished, right. right? And that's what this is speaking of here, right? He he's the high priest; he's our mediator, and it's a once-for-all deal.
1: Yes, it is. And so, um, but w- and so the, the author of Hebrews in in chapter eight is is basically saying that this this new that the old covenant wasn't bad, but the new covenant is better. <laughs> mm. So you can something can be good. But there can be something else that comes along that is better, you know. So if you think about, you know, the, the original iPhone, you know, supposedly iPhone 12 or whatever is the current version is is supposed to be better, you know. Right. It doesn't – and it wasn't necessarily so that the original one was bad. It's just the current one is better, right? And that's what we have. And with Jesus, it is – it's not – it is better, but it is also He's he's made it the full and final one. There there's no there's no other version that has to come out. You
0: know? <laughs> That's a really good analogy with the iPhone too, because if you have an iPhone 12 or 14 or whatever you have right now, and we said, here's what we want you to do is go back to the iPhone one. Yeah. here, here take this with your single. It might have a camera that doesn't even have yeah. very many pixels on it, but there, take that. Yeah. And you're like, why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, right. This is exactly what we're saying, right? This is this is what Christ has done, and this is a this is a new perfect. Perfected sacrifice, yeah. and he's yeah. the, he's the perfect high priest. He's the perfect mediator, yeah. and so with that, the old has become obsolete. Right? Okay. So, so like you were saying earlier, the whole shadow things part of this chapter as well. Yeah. So, so
1: I, I bring all this up because what he does in in Hebrews eight is he goes on to to remind people of the old of. Of the prophecy about the new covenant that's to come. So he goes back to Jeremiah chapter 31. Um, he says, in finding fault with, with them, he says, so even here, even we have an old covenant prophet who is in, in some senses finding fault with it, not, not saying it was bad or wrong or sinful, but it was in, recognized that it was in some ways insufficient. Right, right, and so he says, "Behold, days are coming," says the Lord, "when I will complete a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day I took them, um, took hold of them by my hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them." Says the Lord, "For this is the covenant that I will decree of the house of the Lord. After those days, I am putting my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. That's what we talked about last episode. Right. What the Holy Spirit is doing." So i 'll be their God and they'll be my people. he had already said i 'd be their God and their people, but now he 's writing it on their minds and on their hearts um, and they will know they will not teach each one of his fellow citizens each of brother saying, know the Lord because they 'll all know me from the least of and the greatest. Now we know that we still do that with one another, but what he's saying is that that it's the it's it's the work of the spirit in the heart that is that is doing these things so uh so with this we got to ask ourselves what's going on with the old covenant and and what did in and, and even this what did spiritual formation look like or was it intended was there a different goal in the old testament than there is in the new testament you know what what's going on why you know what's what's happening here
0: so when we say spiritual formation we're talking about um the life of the individual mm-hmm. and that individual in the con- within the congregation yeah
1: so yeah so our identity within in Christ is always our personal transformation, but the, but we're we're identified as a Christ follower, but that Christ follower comes as part of a body that we we talked about last time too, a part of a where we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we are to collectively are the temple, you know, together yeah. as well, and and they're really in some sense where that was always kind of there, supposed to be there, I think, in the old in the Old Testament with the Old Testament kingdom as well. Right. 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 And so but what I want to do is I wanna I want to reflect back on a little on an earlier chapter of Jeremiah where it talks a little bit he's he's basically um talking about evil in the land of of Judah. Uh, this would be in the southern kingdom here that that is that is going on. And he uh he's talking about the the fact that they are you know they're stealing they're committing adultery they're swearing they're basically breaking you know they're breaking the commandments um uh, the Ten Commandments and they're making offerings to baal uh, uh, and they're just they're not living as God called them to do
0: is this a particular chapter that you're there yeah cha-
1: at? Jer- Jeremiah seven um and so'm I'm, I'm kind of i I'm, I'm now just kind of skimming over like starting in verse eight it says, behold you trust in deceptive words you'll steal you murder you commit adultery, you swear falsely, you make offerings to baal." Um, and the other gods. So you just, I mean, he's just showing the Ten Commandments, they're just breaking them, <laughs> yeah. right, through this. Um, he says, uh, start of verse 11, he says, has this house, okay, so here he's using the analogy of the nation, the people of God as a house, just right. like we use the analogy of a body or the temple, or this could be the God's house, the temple, right, because he says, this house which is called by my name, okay, um, Become a den of robbers in your eyes now oh gosh doesn't Jesus quote this when he when he um, turns the tables over in, right. in, the, in the temple right in, in the New Testament times he says um behold I myself have seen it declares the Lord go now to my place that was in Shiloh where I may where I made my name dwell at first that's what, even references back to Abraham in the in the early before even um the time of Moses, that there were offerings and things being made there, right, right. Um, and see what I did to what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel, and now, because you 've done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer, therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust, and to the place I have given you to your fathers, as it is in Shiloh, I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen and the offspring of Ephraim. (laughs) So here's God's judgment because they're not doing, you know, what they're to to do, which is, again, why we see this need for a new covenant later that is coming, because they're not fulfilling their obligations. Um, Verse 16, As for you, do not pray for this people. This is he's talking about, he's telling Jeremiah, don't even pray for these people yeah, wow. that, that I'm giving you judgment on, right? And Don't intercede for them because um, I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> so wow. pretty severe judgment. Do you not see what they're doing in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the father kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes, um, for the queen of heaven, and they pour out drink offerings to other gods. He's just, he's just talking about how angry he is at them. Um, Behold, my anger might have poured out on this place, upon man and beast, and upon field. Um, destruction is coming. And then he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this command I gave them Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. Okay, wait a minute. Wow, yeah. Didn't he give them commands about offerings and sacrifices? Didn't he tell them? all the feasts and festivals and all the things they were supposed to do and how to build the tabernacle and offer sacrifices. Yeah.
0: He gave them the rules for that time and um, they did it for a very short time. And then they started becoming disobedient and, and chasing after other ways.
1: But why does he say, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices? What's, what's Jeremiah saying here, right? Um, I think we need to go back and look at that a little bit and see, but he's, but the point of if you offer, and he says this several times throughout, you know, in the Psalms and other places, um, and and I think we even read, you know, in in Hebrews ten, it, Jesus quotes this and from like Psalm forty as sacrifices and offerings I did not desire, but I desire a heart that obeys me. Right. Right. And I think that he's bringing that up here. It, he says, "But this command I gave them: obey my voice, and I will be your God." And you shall be my people and walk in all the way that I command you that you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels, their own stubbornness of their evil hearts and went back and and word and not forward from the days that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day. I persistently sent all my servants, the prophets to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck they did worse than their fathers.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so you see, the, the point I think is bringing up here, and we're going to go back to Exodus 19 and look at this a little bit, is that the original desire was always to obey and to be loyal to God as their God. And those sacrifices and offerings, all those things, really, in some senses, came, came along with that. But they them, But that was not what God really God didn't just want that. He didn't just want these cultic observances and these rituals. They were all pointing to and teaching them something. But he's but the, the greater desire was what was happening in the heart, right? And so is there anything about the narrative of the Exodus story that brings this to light a little bit? And can it speak to us about what spiritual formation really is? Um, I think there's, I think there's a lesson there. So if we go to Exodus and just look a little bit at the, the kind of the narrative scope a little bit. So, um, I think when once we get to, um, you know, I'm going to skip all the way to Exodus 14. So we have the, you know, the story of Moses and the, you know, set my people, you know, free and all the stuff and they come out and all the plagues and they come out, they cross the Red Sea, right? Um, and, and the, um, the, the armies of egypt are are swallowed up and they're victorious. and then in, in, so now're we're, now we're to Exodus 15, okay they're, 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 God redeems them, He saves them out of Egypt, all by the work of the Lord. you know we, and we can say in this that the salvation of Israel was by grace. Sure, right. And And they put their faith and trust in Yahweh, and he delivers them. he's their deliverer and and in Exodus fifteen Moses gives praise. We have the song of Moses, they sing praise to the Lord um, who's there's no gods that compare to, to Yahweh. Yahweh is the God of gods. He is the true God, and so from there he leads them out into the wilderness, and they they start griping at him right uh, but but he supplies um, he turns. Uh, bitter water into sweet water. They gripe some more. He because they're hungry. He rains down manna from heaven. He gives them bread. And then there's thirsty still, and he gets water from the rock. And he's sh- continually showing himself their deliverer, their God who supplies their daily needs. Right. And then, right. then they then they come to Rephidim, and they have to fight the Amalekites. Uh, so Amalek is there, and God delivers them from the hand of Amalek, and, and, and uh, the, they end with he, Moses building an altar, and um, the Lord is my banner saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation, but, the, but God, is their, God is their victor. He, he's the one who delivers them again. And then right after that, we have this interesting story of Jethro. Because what's happening with Moses at this point is he's 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 the leader, he's the one who's leading them out. And you know, you're leading out all these people, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions, I you know, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting exactly what the well the, it said
0: six hundred thousand at one point. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so oh, that was the men, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you're probably you're talking over a million, million people mm-hmm. here, right? Um they're not always gonna get along. <laughs> right? There's gonna be some communal problems happening right. here in the camp. And everybody's coming to Moses to give the, the answer and the solution, and he's just worn out. And so what is his father-in-law? Jethro comes, who's a Midian priest, <laughs> who comes and says, um, hey, uh, I got, let me give you a little advice. Time, and what that advice is... Time to delegate. Yeah, time to delegate, right? <laughs> um, but some interesting questions that come up when I, when I hear this is like, okay, um, how is Moses making these judgments? on what basis is Moses telling people what's right and what's wrong? Um, and then if he's delegating it to elders, to other people over sections of people, how do they know how to, you know, give right or wrong answers? So what, what would you say to that? How, 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 how are we supposed to know, you know, what's good and what's bad?
0: I think um, for me, uh, where I would go is um, in regard to the Sabbath, you know, is given in the Ten Commandments. That's one place uh, where a a command is given to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Mm -hmm. And the interesting word in there is remember. Mm -hmm. So the giving of the Sabbath wasn't given at Exodus 20, right? It was given... In creation, yeah, right. So they were to remember that. So some of these laws, um, and commandments, will remain consistent because um, what Jesus does in his summary of the law, he tells us to to love God and to love our neighbor, right? Right. If we're doing those two things, we're not going to purposefully. Hurt our neighbor. We're not going to steal from him. For example, right. So the conscious mind that is, is part of the law that's written on on the heart of man, right? Because we were created in God's image, right? Um, wouldn't have to be uh, a brand new concept for these people, for example, right?
1: right. Yeah, and, and I think that that some of it, even here in Exodus eighteen, uh, it, it says. Um, When Jethro says, you know, you're not able to uh, do it alone. I'm in Exodus 18, um, starting verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You should represent the people uh, before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. Here we are before exodus twenty there's statutes and laws now is it is it referencing you know things into the future i don't know, but the point is is that god is um, there should be there's an expectation of God that people would walk the right way right right and we see that that the, that um, with Abraham and his descendants and people there should be an expectation of this that has been built into the even the covenant he gave, you know, to, to Abram and, and the patriarchs.
0: Right, and it's something that God right? really built in, builds into the fabric of society. Um, if you go to any nation around the world that's been, uh, you know, the deepest part of Af- Africa, we always right. say, right? Somebody that's never heard of God or the true God or, or the Bible, right? What are some of their rules within their tribe? You shouldn't steal. Yeah. You shouldn't kill, right? right? All those types of things. That's because those are... Pretty straightforward moral yeah. principles that God right. has done for, yeah. for, for all of us. And so, yeah. yeah. And so if, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, but but it's interesting that that, that when he, he delegates men who are, you know, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe, all these things, that they would let them judge the people, right? And, and so um, there's a practical need that is here that precedes this. And then in Exodus 19 and 20, we see, you know, that they, there comes these things, but... Um, it's just, I find it interesting that that eighteen precedes the giving of the law at at, at Sinai, and I think it is you know communicating something about what God um, has always wanted for His people to be able to do, and and His covenant, um, and and I guess what I'm proposing this, and I'm not necessarily alone, but I just want your thoughts is that that. Um, does this even help us see that what's being going to be given in Exodus twenty and following and then also in Leviticus and numbers and Deuteronomy and stuff in some senses is should we then see that this is more of a revealing God to us in a lot of ways right than just laws for men to follow
0: sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I think the key word is relationship,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I it, I think it even goes today. Uh, we don't... The very first thing we do when we come together is not sit down and write a bunch of rules. What we do is we play the game for a while, and then we establish the rules because <laughs> things um, things go awry. Right. You know, and so they need to be established and stuff. And, yeah. and it's probably not unlike this moral principle that was handed all the way down from Adam.
1: Yeah, and and and, and I think you would say... You know, did Egypt have laws people were to follow? Sure. You know, the land they were, did the Midianites? Sure. You know, it's not like man needed societal rules necessarily.
0: No, but what Um, God is doing is saying, um, for example, when they were, you know, in Egypt as as slaves, as God's saying, you're going to serve, I'm calling you out unto myself to serve the one true God. So now um, everything's been sharpened and narrowed down to... A single truth, which is the word of God and the author of, right. of life.
1: Yeah. And so when we get into 19 and 20 and things, we're going to see how God is taking... It's not that societal laws didn't exist. It's not that they wouldn't even necessarily have a sense of right or wrong. Is now he's, he's... Everything that's going to flow from Exodus 20 is, starts with 19, Um, in the fact that they enter into this. So when we come to Exodus 19, which interesting, which I just found fascinating again today, that it's interesting how 18 precedes this, right? Right, right, right. Is that, um, so here we are in the third new moon of the people. So I think a lot of people would say, you know, this is like the 50th day. So there's even like relationship to Pentecost, right? And the giving of the law with the giving of the spirit here, that the third new moon, a lot of scholars say this is like the 50th day after they've been, delivered from Israel, right? right? And so in the New Testament, the 50th day after the resurrection is the giving of the Spirit, which is the law written on the heart, which is the whole connection, right, between the the new covenant and the old covenant. We we see that happening here. Um, They got out from the land of Egypt, and on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim into the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord God called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus says you... Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed, what? Obey. Obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. Which relates back to what Jeremiah 7 was talking about, right? What's the first thing he asked of them? to obey. Mm -hmm. The covenant, the the sacrifice, the offerings, that stuff came later, right? But first Mm -hmm. he says, come, obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasure possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to
0: the people of Israel. That's kind of what we mentioned last time about being a kingdom of priests.
1: Exactly, right? (laughs) right? It starts right here, right? And that's the first desire. And and it relates even back to the, the 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 promise given to Abraham, the covenant with Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Why? Because the, all all the earth is mine. That this whole reclamation, this whole restoration project is starting here, but it's supposed to go into all the earth, right? Um, so, but but he's he's choosing this people to be the means by which he's he's going to do this, and so um, so then he. Moses gathers all the elders of the people, and he sets before them all these words that the Lord God has commanded to him. So it's interesting here that um, some of these words being chosen here, here's the words, because we're going to see that there's words, and then there's also going to be regulations, stipulations, different things, and they they have little different connotations. But here, it it is just these words, this message is the Hebrew word, um, dabar. Um, which is a word, a matter, an affair, a thing that he's setting before them, um, and it, it is that all the people answered and said, "The Lord has spoke. All the Lord has spoken, we will do." Now it's interesting. There's going to be a whole bunch of other regulations or stipulations, or you could even translate it judgments that will follow. But first, they're committing the word, and it's interesting too that when we get to Exodus twenty, I think the the ten words or the ten commandments they're the words, and then. After that, a different word is used, the word stipulations, which get into more like the the different specific case laws or even regulations Mm -hmm. of how to work in the temple. But here are the words that are happening. So he says he's going to come in a thick cloud, and when the people here speak to you may also, you know, he says, um, verse 9, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you. And again, here in Hebrew comes with the connotation of obedience. When you hear, you're also having this willingness to, to obey. Um, and you may also, and may also believe you forever. When I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Now, when you read that, what do you think?
0: I'm missing your, your question.
1: Okay. So verse nine, yep. the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. So who's being asked to believe forever? The people. The people. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that they say, believe you. Who's the you here?
0: Well, that'd be Moses. That'd
1: be Moses. <laughs> 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 but, so, but they're asking to believe the words that Moses is speaking on behalf of God.
0: Right. He is here, in this case, being the mediator.
1: He's Which relates to our previous episode, we talked about what the... You know, so Moses here is asking his mediator. He's not necessarily mediating the the covenant presence, which a priest would do in the tabernacle, but he's mediating the word of God to the people here. Right? Right and And so, in this case, acting as a prophet cause... yeah he, he he's acting as a prophet there, right, and so um he then go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments so this now we're getting into some of the purification rituals and so forth, and bring them before mount Sinai um and so they do that, and then when a trumpet and I'm jumping down here a little bit, so verse fourteen um the people he consecrates the people he they wash them, and he said to them, "Be ready for the third day, um, you know don't go near a woman all, all this, right. this stuff but but the the point is, is that they're being prepared to meet with God and to make this covenant commitment with them and he appears to the he he comes in smoke and cloud and um, the the mountains trembling and there's all this what's what's all this imagery for? well these are all signs. That the Almighty God is is in their presence, right. you know, and so there's these this visible indications that the the Lord Almighty is there with them. Um, and and Moses then goes up, uh, and and so uh, and then there's a whole interesting <laughs> dynamic of the the people were the people actually called to come up. Or were they not called to come up? Because then it says the people can't come up, only Moses can come up. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting thing right. um, that, that's happening here. But the point is, is that before Moses goes up, there's a commitment of the people and, and this asking of the people to commit to Yahweh. And to and, and with that commitment is this pledge of obedience that is there,
0: Um and which is really, and, we, and we, when we're talking about a pledge to obedience, that's yes, but it's also, oh, it's really a pledge to the covenant relationship.
1: Yes. Right. So it's a, so this this covenant relationship that is a greater, like usually we think about the covenant in terms of like a greater king and a lesser king, the, the suzerain and the vassal, mm-hmm. you know, and so forth. But here, there's also this, we're ending into this spiritual relationship that is there. But God has just demonstrated himself as the deliverer. And that's why I wanted to even go back to, you know, 15 and everything that's happened of bringing them out of the wilderness and into this place and all the provision he's doing. Is there any doubt at this point who the greater part of the, the greater one of the covenant is? Yeah, No. No. Right, and so they know that they're coming as the one who's pledging allegiance to the great, you know, king. But, but, but not just a king, God, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who is there. And so, when we get to the, all this is setting up the Ten Commandments. And so, when when they when they receive the Ten Commandments, the words of God, God spoke all these words, saying. And and, in 1 verse 20, it's that same word, dabar, again, okay? And so they're they're saying, we're going to obey your words, and now he speaks the words. And the words are the Ten Commandments, Mm -hmm. okay? Why? I'm going to jump back and say, now, how does God in his mind here in giving these words in the context of covenant relationship in a in a to a people who he wants to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What does this have to do? Does God have spiritual formation in mind for this people that He's made for Himself?
0: <laughs> absolutely. I, yeah. I think he absolutely does. Um, do you want me to continue?
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's let's start trying to connect the dots here. Um, do you think God believes at this point that they're going to be able to perfectly keep all these commandments. No,
0: he knows that it's going to be quite the contrary, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. But, so why give them?
0: There's a couple of things that's coming to mind. The very first thing is the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. You know, as as God being creator uh, is in his character perfectly holy, right? There's, there's no evil part of him and he's perfect love. He's perfect justice. Um, but for some reason, and this is to his, you know, to the glory of his, you know, the praise of his glorious grace is what it is. He's, he's chosen to come into relationship with his creation. Yeah. And, um, it actually goes all the way back to before the creation within the Godhead itself, or there's this promise from the father to the son Mm -hmm. about a, about a particular people. Right. And so in keeping with his promise to the son, um, here's the people, right. And are they perfect? No, does he know that they're not going to be perfect? Yes. Um, and so what's the solution for it? Well, it's that the son of God's going to have to come and give his life for these people. That's the, that's the whole gospel message. Right. But because God is spirit, um, in dealing with people, uh, that are created um mankind there's the only one that has this image of god that's placed on him and i believe that part of that is um that man is more than just uh, a conscious being but he's uh not only self-aware but that he has a spirit within himself right because it talks about our spirit agreeing with the spirit of the lord and that that relationship uh in the spirit is part of that spiritual formation that we're talking about. So yeah, there's a physical aspect of it, but there's also this spiritual relationship that, that walks alongside of that, which is probably primary to the physical. Yeah. Because if yeah. you, if you just look at what, what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, and I like going back to that because they were, they were in perfect relationship for a moment, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Until we see one, exercise disobedience um, to the covenant that they were given within each other. So within the husband-wife relationship, one became disobedient, right? And that was disobedient uh, not because they weren't equal, but because uh, there was a choice to serve self, to to do something different than what God had commanded. And we see this take place time and time again. And so God pulls these people out. He calls the people unto himself, call it Israel, right? Right this in in this time here and all they have to do he says i will protect you you will defeat all your enemies um you will have a life of uh sustenance i'm going to supply all your needs according to my glorious riches and you love me back and through that love you obey and what do they do They they fail to do it because why because we're selfish creatures right this is this is the problem so to to come all the way around full circle yeah God's desiring this relationship and he's now established a pattern uh, for what happens when that relationship gets broken
1: yeah yeah And, and so with the giving of the words that he has here. It's it's flowing out of this covenant relation. All you have to do is always oh, hear my hear me and obey me in the sense, and and I'm I'm going to let you know what that looks like, right? And, and and so he gives them these ten words, these ten sayings. This, which in some ways, if you look at this word, I'm just going to read from the Brown Driver's Briggs um, Hebrew Dictionary. It says, "speech, discourse, saying, word, as the sum of what is spoken." Okay, and so in some you see we even see this, the words are kind of a summary in, in some, sense. So this is the thing. And and a lot of commentators would say the, you could divide these into two tablets. One is to, to love, what does it mean to love God, and what does it mean to love our neighbor? That when Jesus is asked in the New Testament, the greatest commandment, he says, love the Lord your God, and then he says, and love your neighbors yourself, right? right? And, and what's interesting in Deuteronomy um, 5, we have the giving of the law again, right? And then in Deuteronomy 6, you have the Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is, uh, he, and it, before it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, Here and with that here again is, is obey and show that allegiance. And so, um, so here we have these, this, you know, in some senses, all the law is, is, you know, summarized in the Ten Commandments. And then what we have after the Ten Commandments, when we jump down to, to 21 uh, chapter twenty was it said now these are the rules or the regulations. Um what do you have the King James version New King James there?
0: Yeah there says judgments. The
1: judgments. So it's another so um it's the it's the Hebrew word mishpat which um ha, can have a range of meaning but it is the, so let's just go with that with that uh, it can be decision, judgment, um we it, what we're really getting in here is the case laws, but so we have the words given, but now we have the rules or the the yeah. judgments. The other word
0: that sometimes uses ordinances.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's what's going on here is um you have the words, kind of. The, these are the the saying, the summary, and now we're, what do those words look like in real life? How do we apply these in situations? If We go from the debar to the mishpat, and what's the is there any kind of developmental process that is happening when you when you go from the words to the judgments? Um, is is you getting you're really getting into the the wisdom of application that the Yahweh their God is showing them what this is going to look like in certain situations, and so you have laws about slaves and how you relate to them laws about restitution laws about social justice and all of it it's like
0: uh, you know when Tanya and I first started dating um I could do no wrong in her eyes <laughs> okay I had her so <laughs> disillusioned a great place to be <laughs> you know yeah. I mean but why was that yeah. because you know life Together, yeah. hadn't taken course yet, right? You know, I hadn't had a chance to fail in front of her yeah. as often, and the same right. with her for me. And so uh, that's the way it is with this relationship. Yeah, well, sur- this is this is what they said at the beginning of the relationship: yeah. all that you say, we will do. Right. We like it. We like this. Thank you for saving us right. and stuff, right? Um, and then it's not only a moment later that they're down there building a golden calf yeah. type of thing, right? right. So it's um, give us enough time and we will fail. Right.
1: Right, and so what I'm trying to to bring out here a little bit is, I think in some senses what we're seeing is God's expectation of spiritual formation. The law, the Torah, law, we often translate law, it actually means instructions. The the, the Torah means these are the instructions. And it's not so much law in the sense of legal, right? Just, you know, you broke the law, and so, you know, the the fine for breaking the speed limit is, you know, 75 bucks and you got to go to defensive
0: driving school right. well, <laughs> or that, whatever, exactly. right? Exactly. And that's exactly right. what I was saying, Tanya and I, like now it's like, so now how do we navigate this part of our relationship?
1: Yeah. yeah. And so, but the giving of the law, really, if we think about it in terms of the words or the sayings, then followed by the judgments, what, what do we see that these instructions are, the intent of the instructions... I'm gonna what I'm proposing is that there's there's God recognizes the need for spiritual formation. Right. And as the instructor, as the teacher, what he's doing is he's giving them examples. He's he's let him say, how do we apply the wisdom of the sayings in these situations? Because he's not listing every situation that they'll ever encounter within their community, right? But he's he's showing them, you know as the wise god and giver of the law who gives you these sayings i'm going to be the wise god who shows you what's this look like when when you need when a man i mean of 21 verse 33 when a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it the owner of the pit shall make restitution restoration he shall give money to its owner and the dead beast shall be his you know what what okay why Why not talk about the the somebody whose fence is broken or you know I mean you there are so many more situations than just um, an open pit and and a beast following in it right but he's 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 applying love of neighbor you know to and to this situation and showing how it lives itself out though as as a wise God who is demonstrating this and instructing his people with what's his hope. His hope is that you that you, Thad, as an Israelite, living in the community, when something similar happens, you have the wisdom to know what to do. Right. Right. And why are you doing this? You're doing this because you love God and love your neighbor. Right. And so the expectation is, is that you will have a desire for that spiritual formation. To become the kind of person who knows how to apply the wisdom of God in life, right? Um, and so, uh, what what's required of you to do that? If, if you're if, if you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to just blindly take whatever God says here and do it. So when 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 that happens, I'm going to do this, but When a similar situation comes along that maybe the case law doesn't specifically cover, what if you say, well, I don't have to do that because the law didn't tell me I didn't have to do that.
0: You know? Well, and that's why in the legal, in the courts and stuff, like they'll bring up old cases, right? (laughs) Right. This is similar to what you've already settled over here. And this takes precedence. So this is our, this is our sample of how this can get handled probably in the best manner. But can you
1: be a good Israelite who's following God? who's obeying God and saying, "Well, God, you didn't specifically tell me in this situation. You only gave me the situation of
0: when when my beast falls in an open pit." Yeah, no, that's just being you know, totally disobedient, right? Because he's given this um the general scope of the law is already written, right? Right. We 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 this isn't a you're becoming a legalist,
1: right? Right. right. You're if all you're doing is saying, "Well, I don't know that about this situation. I just know about this one because God gave me that specific one." Then, then you're just trying to follow God in a purely legalistic sense, right? But if we if we, if we we try to follow the spirit of law, then we're, we're starting, oh, now we're trying to become a moral people, right? But if we're just relying on moralism, we can fall short too, because the ultimate goal was to be a people who reflect
0: Yahweh, right? Right, and, and exactly. And so this is what we were talking about in the last episode, when it says, "Um, sacrifices I desire not. Yeah. Right? Because... Uh, you are to give a sacrifice, but if you just come there and say, "Well, I got to go do my my daily sacrifice and slit the throat, shed the blood, give it to the priest, and I'll I'll take care of that responsibility for the day," but you don't do it with with a heart that's in the relationship, right? Um, it fails, right? It's it's good for nothing, and so that's why God is looking upon the heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's again, that's 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 part of the community. Of, of belief that we have and that spiritual growth that we're um, we're starting to take the next step even deeper now
1: right and so if we do if we do take if we do to go to Deuteronomy right and when the when we have the giving of the Ten Commandments and the second giving of the law in Deuteronomy we see that um, these the sayings are then followed up with um, talking about the assembly going up and they're um, They're shown the glory of God and all those things. And then the encouragement in Deuteronomy 6 is, um, well, there's a warning at the end of Deuteronomy 5, I'll start in verse 28. He says, and the Lord Lord heard your words when you spoke it to me. They're agreeing to the covenant, right? It says, I've heard the words of this people when they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they've spoken. Oh, that they had... "'Had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments "'that it may go well with them in the land and their descendants forever. "'Go and say to them, Return to your tents. "'But you stand here by me, and I'll tell you the whole commandment "'and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, "'and that they may do them in the land that I'm giving them to possess. "'You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. "'You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left.'" You shall walk in all the way of the Lord your God is commanding you, that you may live and that may go well with you, that you may live long in the land that you possess. Okay, so this is, again, this communal thing of everyone. And then he says in in 6, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord has given you um, to teach you that you may do them in the land that you're going over to possess it. You may fear your God, you and your son and your son's son. So generational obedience, this desire that's here to keep all the commandments that I've given you all the days of your life and your days may be long. And Here's the Shema starting in verse three. Hear therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them that you may go well with you in the land. Verse four is actually when it starts. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you to, they shall be on your heart, right? And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk them as you sit in your house, as you walk by the way. It's all of life. All this should be a way of life, right? And you, you frontlets—they tie them as frontlets, as a sign in your hand, as frontlets between your eyes, and you write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates and so forth. And so, all of life, everywhere you go, everything you do. This is, is what you're going to be about. Um, and the desire was that
0: they would be on your hearts. Um, there's, now, there's three things there real quick. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, the heart issue that you just mentioned, but then what does it say to do with these, these commands? But you, you bind them as a sign on your hand and should be a frontlet like between your eyes this is speaking to a couple of things. One, the, the sign on your hand is what. What do you put your hand to? The things that you're going to do throughout the day, right. right? But the front line between your eyes, what's between your eyes? Well, that's your that's your thought process. So that's what that's your mind, right? So your your heart mm-hmm. should be the source of what directs your thoughts and the intentions, and then your right. your your obedience is what you what you put your hand to when you go throughout your day, and right. it's it's all encompassing in everything that we do. Right. Right it is
1: and it's also what I see when i when I look at any other person, I look at your face, and I, I would if you had something between, uh, right there between your eyes, I would see it. Now, me, I see my hands more. I don't see my face, I see my hands mm-hmm. every day, right but 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 I see other people's eyes <laughs> too, you know so it's, so it's exactly, it is your mind, but it's also what it should be visible to others. So what's on my hand is visible to me. What's between your eyes is is visible to others, you know, more too. Right. So it's it, it's it's that witness. I think there's the you know that the component of it as as well. I think
0: that's going on there. Right. And yeah. it, uh, the, the the symbolism works even in in the book of Revelation. Right. It yeah. talks about the mark of the beast. Where yeah. is it? It's on the hand yeah, it, 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 or, <laughs> or on the forehead. Right. And what what is that? Well, if you're going to serve right. the evil system. That's where that's where you're right. putting your that's where your heart right. is, right? You know, in the heart. If you're for Christ, it says that you've been sealed exactly with the Spirit. There's the same exactly. symbolism. See,
1: when I when I flew uh, to Israel uh, to to go to the Holy Land, I happened to, to fly out, of fly to New York City, and then from New York City we flew on out, and it just so happened that the flight from New York to Jerusalem was just filled with a bunch of Orthodox Jews, and they were they got up in the middle of the night at the proper hour, and I saw them huddled together in like a little open space around the bathrooms. And they had these leather straps around their hands. Mm-hmm. And they had they had a leather box tied to the top of their head in between their eyes. And they were they were quoting, you know, this and saying other prayers. Sure. Um and I'm like, okay, they're taking this literally and they're trying to actually bind them on this. But what's that doing to their heart? Right. You know? Now, maybe it could be, but the point is is that um, how do we, in our spiritual formation, even today, can we take the Word of God and just try to turn it into a legal thing? without letting it work on our hearts
0: you can right i mean what's the golden rule you know treat others as you'd want to be treated <laughs> i mean if i go about that way then right. i'm doing more good than bad i'm on my way right. to heaven right you know well wait a minute no you know because you forgot you forgot the whole heart issue you forgot what the right. redemption is you forgot about the one who's the great mediator that has made yes who has brought you to right. the throne room
1: if you and what's interesting, later on in Deuteronomy, when you get into Deuteronomy 29 and 30, he talks about the need of the circumcised heart, right? Right, And and they even talk about how they're, they're, these people are not going to obey me. They're not going to do my verse because their hearts aren't circumcised, which brings us back to Jeremiah 7 and then Jeremiah 31, which connects us back to exactly what you're saying in the New Testament, right? The expectation of that spiritual formation, of, of wanting to have the Word of God in our hearts, and then being able to apply it into real life in judgments, right? When certain situations arise, what am I going to do this? If I ever disconnect that wisdom that God wants to instruct me in and the ability to apply it to a a, a current day situation in my life, whatever I'm setting my hands to that day, Mm -hmm. if I ever think I can do that without Christ... If everything I can do that without the Spirit who's uniting me to Christ and being empowered that we talked about last episode, right, that, that this thing that God's laying out for them all along, he's saying, you're only doing this if you're oriented to the fact that I'm your God, <laughs> and I'm the one that's going to enable you to do this. And what we see, in, and I think a clearer picture when that shadow becomes reality, is what we see that, oh, all along... Who was to be the mediator of the covenant? Well, God was. Who's the one that walked through the the dead animals in in Genesis 15 with Abraham?
0: Right, yeah, God. It was
1: God, right? That all along his intent was to say, you know, that I'm your God and you're my people. You rely upon me. And we see the clearest picture of that is that Jesus accomplishes that for us. And the giving of the Spirit enables us and empowers us to do that. And so we still in some ways go through the same process given Back in the Old Testament, we give the Word of God, and the Word of God has to be applied to our hearts and has to be lived out in judgments in daily life in any given situation. but if we think we can do that in our own power, if we think we can do it in our own strength without God working on the heart mm. we're not going to have we're not going to be formed the you know the law by itself the the, the words the sayings the the, the judgments in and of themselves. And I think maybe next week we'll we'll look into Romans how how Paul uh, how develops this. Law. Right. Yeah. You know, but the, but the, the expectation was the same right. in the old testament. The process was the same. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my words and I'm gonna I'm gonna even show you how in real life situations what that looks like. And I'm even gonna show you what forgiveness looks like through the law and the sacrifices, right? But the things of themselves if you separate them from this covenant relationship with me, and, and unless the heart is, is coming along with it, the spiritual formation isn't going to happen. Right. You know, and just religious observance and legalistic blind obedience um, ultimately is going to let us down. And it becomes
0: a drudgery. Yeah. You know, it's just work. and It does, you know, but, yeah. but as the temple of the Holy Spirit, which we are, you know, our heart, his, his love, His law is written on our hearts now. And... What that is saying is that um we like you said earlier, like you look at your hands and you see what am I what am I about to do today? Well, that's our vocation. Yeah. What what, what am I doing to glorify God and, and what I do? Well, that and that also comes and stems from my thought process that I'm constantly or as much as I can be continuously yeah. thinking on the Lord because the flesh is still gonna come and get us at times, right? Yeah. But um, and that's the other thing that we gotta talk about is how do we live this oh, it's almost like a dualistic life of the flesh and the yeah, spirit. Yeah, we
1: can't right, and so just in the Old Testament, if you try to if you try to live Exodus twenty to twenty four, or you know, all apart from remembering what God did in Egypt to bring you out of Egypt, which is what Deuteronomy five at the end of it is saying right in the of Deuteronomy six. Remember, if we can, it always comes from that posture of a recipient of God's grace. Yeah. That it's only God the Savior, right? Who's, if I remember, He's the one who gives me these words to follow. Um, it's, it's, it's in the power of Yahweh, the saving, redeeming God. It's in the power of Christ, the one who fulfills it all. And, and then the giver of the Spirit in us that enables us and writes these things on our hearts, that, that, that posture always stays. And so we, we, we need the Word of God. We need His words. We need His sayings. We need His truth. But it, but it always has to flow out of a heart that is yielded to our Trinitarian God, Father, Son and Spirit, right. who, hmm. who who enables us to do these things, right. That's and great. so there's a wonderful picture, I think of that in the Old Testament, which then reflects on whenever a man tries to live that out apart from that, that, that you know the, 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 that covenant becomes is in that sense insufficient, right. Because when man tries to do it on his own, he he's going to fail. Which the story of the Old Testament reveals that you know that that ultimately um, there are exceptions to that, and there's always a remnant. God always keeps a remnant, and I think that remnant is you know the the Spirit was working in that remnant. But what we see uh, with Christ's fulfillment in the gift of the Spirit now, we have that clear picture, yeah. you know, of of what we it is that we look to. So right. absolutely, um, yeah. Do you close us in prayer today?
0: That'd be great. Lord, we we thank you for your word. It is your revelation to us of how you would have us follow you. It is your proposal to us to come and uh, be married unto you. That is to join the covenant relationship that you've called us to. We thank you that you have uh, opened our hearts to believe that you empower us, that you enable us, that it is all your work, and all we can really do is respond in faith, which leads to obedience and that trust, Lord. So pick us up when we fought, when we fail, when we when we when we fall. That we're not looking to dust ourselves off um, in our own strength, but that our eyes are up looking upon a merciful Father who is by grace saved us, redeemed us, and, and called us to be a part of, of the family. And through that, we uh, ask you to go throughout this week, Lord, that you would go before us, that we would walk in your light, and that we would be then uh, that reflected light, this world around us, to share your gospel and the truth of your word to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: All right. See you next time.
0: See you next time. Next time, we will continue to explore our spiritual growth and the root of its power by the Holy Spirit. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.